I'd like to say a special thanks to Avon for supporting this episode of Beauty Life Lessons. Avon has just launched their brand new Renewal Eye Cream, the perfect product to complement their top-rated and customer-favorite Renewal Power Serum. Powered by Avon's award-winning Protonol technology, this duo helps to restore years of collagen loss, boost collagen production, and delivers up to seven age-defying skin benefits in just seven days. To find out more and shop products now, speak to your Avon rep or shop directly online at avon.uk.com or on Amazon. Hello and welcome to this episode of Beauty Life Lessons from Grazia with me, Annie Vischer. Today's guest is makeup artist to the stars, Hannah Martin. Over the years, Hannah has amassed an incredibly loyal following of beauty obsessives. She has over 346,000 followers on Instagram and counting, and has become known for her prowess in the glowing skin and smoky eye arena. In this episode, she reflects on the realities of our relationship with makeup and how many of us feel about wearing less of it. I think, yes, there's a liberating moment, but also I think it can be quite uncomfortable. She gives us the inside scoop on how to use primers. The combination of the right skincare, the right foundation formula, setting it well. Those are the things that will keep your makeup in place, not a magic primer. And reveals the memories that fragrance brings back for her. If we were ever going anywhere in the car, what signalled we were nearly there was mum going into a handbag and getting out the perfume and doing like a a re-spritz. And she didn't have to say anything, but me and my sister would be like, come on, wake up, sit up, like we're nearly there. Right, Hannah, I am so glad to have you on this podcast. Um, Can't wait to hear about all your best beauty tips, obviously. They're incredibly sought after, as we know. But before we get into those details, I would just love to know about your take on beauty in general. So whether you're pretty ruthless about sorting through all your products regularly or whether you thrive on accumulating them, do you stick to your favorites or are you constantly trying new things? What's, What's your vibe in general? My vibe in general with my makeup is quite, I'd say, eclectic, is quite chaotic. I I have hoarding tendencies at the best of times, like whether it's clothes that I've had for 30 years or kids' toys that they played with when they were a year and they're now 10. Like I, I don't know why. I don't know where it comes from. And my makeup space, I'm in it now. And I'm probably at the most organized it's ever been in my career but I still have drawers that are heaving and spilling over with product, some of which is way past its sell-by date. And I just need to like have a moment, give them a hug goodbye and, you know, recycle them if they're recyclable or get rid if they're not. Um, I do sort through the stuff fairly regularly, especially with things like press mailers. Like uh, I have some help, Jane, and she she call we call her the legend in our house. And Jane and I would just sit on the floor and go through the products and work out right what do I need to test, what do I need to film with, what's part of a collaboration, what needs to go into my kit, how do we fit it into the kit, what needs to come out of the kit, and then what needs to be donated. So I feel like that's kind of happening all the time. But even like I'm looking at my turntables on my desk, which the plan was to have like one and just the skincare I use every day. And I've got three and they're like, they're piled on top of each other. And it's just, it's just silly. And that's my skincare, which I think is quite streamlined. You should see my makeup drawers. <laughs> so you've got a process, but also guys, I've got the privilege of having a little look into Hannah's, what what are we calling this? Your beauty room, your makeup room? Yeah, I call it my makeup room, but it's, it's my everything. My office, my solace, my, yeah, dump. 
storehouse, whatever. <laughs> it looks insanely organized. Like those turnstiles you talked about, I need some of these. Those look amazing. They're so helpful. And like, if I just reach across the desk, I can just spin it to whichever product I need or takes my fancy. And then behind me, they're all, you know, the home edit. So I have like perspex boxes full of stuff there and then Ikea units full and then some more Ikea units. And then around the corner, guess what, darling? More Ikea units. (laughs) Honestly, guys, this room is a beauty obsessive's dream, honestly. I mean, it's quite fun. I do enjoy bringing my friends up here. They're like, oh, those that love makeup anyway. You're serving all the inspiration and you've totally inspired me. I'm going to have a clean out this weekend. It's decided. (laughs) Do it. Do it. And we have to talk about the fact that you have a book coming out, right? Which is incredibly exciting. And I've been lucky enough to get my hands on a copy already. Oh, it took me through one. I know. Very, very kind. Can't wait to get stuck in. But what can we expect from it? Why did you decide to write one? And crucially, when is it dropping? So it drops on May the 25th. It's like a slightly delayed 40th birthday present. And then um, I think I wrote it because somehow my Instagram platform, fairly early on, actually, it became really clear that it was potentially slightly more educational than some. So, you know, I think there's a real difference between like an aspirational page and an educational page. And I really wanted my Instagram to be, well, when I started, it was kind of like, I do these horrendous hyperlapses that are really awful to watch now. But at the time I felt really progressive and I'd sit there with no makeup, do a full face, post the hyperlapse video. And then I post a before and after picture and a flat lay of the product. And it was like, I just want to show realistically what you can achieve with however many products, blah, blah, blah. So, and I, I literally spend my life replying to people's questions you know I feel like my audience quite rightly just feel like they can tap into my knowledge as a makeup artist so I'm constantly responding to people's questions even if it's on a post that I've done they'll ask completely non-associated questions about makeup so I just I I knew there was a, a book in me where I could just put everything I know into paper as a resource that hopefully people can either read cover to cover or they can dip in and out of. And more than anything, I hope it's really digestible and really clear because I think sometimes translating a technique from a technique into words can be quite tricky. Um, But I really hope that with a combination of clear words and pictures that I've been able to explain various techniques you know, I love a picture. It's full of pictures. And I think something that's been really resonating when I was thinking about when I first started putting pen to paper or, you know, words into notes on my laptop, I wanted it to be really, yes, something for everyone. But I think the client that I deal with a lot, or certainly the one that I communicate with a lot on social media, is that person that maybe doesn't know a huge amount of makeup, but is slightly embarrassed a, that they don't know much, but B, almost too embarrassed to confess that they even are interested. Do you know what I mean? So the consumer that's going to be reluctant to go into a department store and confess to a glamorous makeup artist that actually they've hit middle age and they don't know what they're doing, da, da, da. Because I do think that's quite an intimidating journey for some people. So hopefully that person can dip into this book and be like, 
always wanted to know how to do a wing. Oh my gosh, that's so great. Or I've never known how to do my brows. I reckon I can do that. That's a very long answer to your question. (laughs) No, I love it. And it's such a beautiful book and would just make such an incredible gift as well. I'm very excited for this. And now, obviously, we're diving into your five best pieces of beauty advice. Let's start with makeup. Obviously, your bread and butter. This is your area of expertise. So it's going to be pretty hard to boil it down to one piece of advice. But let's try. What's the best piece of advice that either you've ever been given or that you find you give out most regularly in this area? I'm going to be fairly controversial here, but I'm going to say that so often less is more. Now that, and that, I think that goes across everything, whether it's your skin prep before makeup, your base makeup, your eye makeup, your brow makeup, all of the above. And I say that because so often, you know, when I'm working with a client, my favorite briefs are when a director asks me to strip it back and actually just make someone glow and radiate and enhance their features, but without a ton of makeup. Like I had a client recently who's um, quite high profile, but, you know, early 60s. And one of the briefs was exactly that. This needs to be delicate. I want it to look like a painting. And it's a very different look for said client. And I just, I like thrived on that moment. Um, So I think when it comes to, you know, consumers being confused about makeup, I think often they think they need more than they really do, whether that's trying to disguise texture. I mean, people assume, well, I've got texture on my skin, so I need all blemishes. I need to reach for a really full coverage foundation. Well, actually, you've got some beautiful clear areas of skin too. So let's go for a lighter base and then you can just use concealer to hide the few blemishes you might have rather than reaching for full coverage foundation. Or so I think more and more you look at the red carpet and there's kind of less experimental makeup. Like there might be at the Met Gala or something. But if you look at the Vanity Fair red carpet, for example, yes, you might still have some smoky eyes, but so often it's just all about radiant, glowing looking skin. And, you know, I learned the lesson myself years and years ago when I got married. I felt all this pressure to look the best I've ever looked. And I was an up and coming makeup artist. I was like, everyone's going to like be so on tender hooks to see what makeup I do. And every time I practiced, either my friends or my mum were like, oh, babe bit much. And actually, in the end, I ended up pairing it right back. And I'm so grateful because yes, I still look like a child bride, but I really look like me and I'm not like carved in makeup. I totally get that. And I think, well, certainly in my experience, my personal experience, if you're somebody like me who tends to apply makeup every single day, the kind of coverage can creep up on you quite slowly. And all of a sudden you're layering it up. And I was thinking about this, I was doing this probably this morning. And I've got what, three different concealers on and foundation. And I think back to summer and I was probably just using a concealer and blush and it does creep up on you. And actually having somebody like you, I imagine, who strips it back and shows you a look where you feel so confident with it and you love it and you're aware that it's your skin on show and things like that is quite liberating for somebody. I I do think it's twofold. I think, yes, there's a liberating moment, but also I think it can be quite uncomfortable. You know, if you are used to a lot of makeup, actually 
you know, I love makeup. I love, I've always called it like natural, but with a trowel. So like today I I don't have much on, but what I have on, there's a decent amount. I also tried a new Kat Von D foundation, which I'm I'm that typical consumer. I was like, oh, serum foundation. That's going to be really lightweight. Put it on. And I was like, no, this is full coverage. (laughs) But yes, I, I love the natural aesthetic, but still it's quite makeupy. So I think for some people, when you strip them back, actually it can feel quite nerve wracking. Still, it's one of my favorite tasks. I love it. And so would you say you flip between kind of coverage levels and sort of the amount of makeup you wear? How do you decide, you know, how much you apply and things? Um, It's always just, it's usually on a whim. And even the days where I'm like, I'm just going to go really like light and ethereal and lovely. And then I have so much fun in the moment that before I know it, I've got a full face of makeup on. Plus, you know, like my, my skin isn't 20 anymore. So like I can achieve gorgeous, fresh, glowing looking skin, but usually it's after a holiday where I've not necessarily got sun damage, but I've just been rested and outside and living my best life. I find it quite hard to achieve that look on myself day to day on like gray days, like today in London. But yes, I'm, I'm generally, I'll set myself little challenges as well. Like if I see something on social media or on the news or in a magazine or whatever, I do love to do little challenges. Oh, I wonder if I could do that. Like yesterday I did the skeleton contouring technique. I've never done it before. I thought, you know, it's kind of a a younger thing, but why not the heck? Let's just give it a go. I'll be trying to recreate that kind of really paired back look. And interestingly, did you see Patty's with um, Margot Robbie on the Barbie tour? And that really struck me yesterday, that first kind of red carpet Barbie uh, tour image. Again, she had really paired back makeup again. I know that's Patty's kind of aesthetic anyway, but I'm kind of, I'm so here for this natural vibe that's going on. And for anybody who doesn't know, Patty DeBroth um, was in charge of Sophia Ritchie's wedding makeup on the day and Margot Robbie's makeup for the Barbie promotion that's going on at the minute. And yeah, it was all very pared back. So that kind of lends itself quite nicely to our conversation. And you are obviously a famed for your own glow, but also famed for being able to deliver that really lit from within radiance. And I presume that the foundation of that is great skincare. So what, what are your best pieces of advice or the best piece of advice you've been given um, when it comes to skincare? I suppose the thing I hold on to most when it comes to skincare is light layering. And I remember it was actually a colleague at the time, a guy called Kai, and he was based out in China and he did my skincare for me. And it was the first time that someone had done my skincare prep and then base and my skin had felt like so supple and I couldn't really feel any makeup. And I was like, oh my gosh, please break this down because this isn't how my makeup feels when I've quickly cleansed, popped on my moisturizer and SPF. I mean, that was probably 14, 15 years ago. Since then, I've been a huge believer in essence to start skincare application, you know, wet the skin, add some moisturizer and humectants so that whatever you put on top can penetrate that, just that surface layer so much more effectively. So it'll all with any client, it's always an, like after I've cleansed the skin, it's always an essence followed by a serum. Well, eye cream, then serum, then depending on skin type, you know, a light moisturizer. I might use it. If it's a photo shoot, of course I won't use SPF. Um, if it's a real life client, I will use SPF. 
Um, and then primers, depending on what I want to achieve. So I don't always use a primer. Say if I'm working with an actor or an actress who's got really oily skin, absolutely, I'll need to use some kind of oil absorbing primer through the T-zone. Or if I've got someone who loves the glow, then I'll use some kind of illuminating primer. Now, I must admit, I think like most makeup artists now, I swear by Charlotte Tilbury Hollywood Flawless Filter. I've got so many that I carry with me. So where I used to maybe use, I'm trying to think, you know, the God Forsaken, now gone Becca, backlit priming filter, whatever it's called. Gosh, I'm trying to picture all the ones I carry with me. Well, Vive with the Skin Dew, you know, or even Estee Lauder Illuminating Primer, Bobby Brown, can't remember the name, Illuminating Balm. I might use one of those more often than not. I'll pop on a bit of Hollywood Flawless Filter, which isn't strictly, isn't strictly skincare, but it goes to kind of creating that illusion of really glowy skin. I, I imagine it's primer almost the bridge that marries skincare and makeup. Or maybe not because you said you don't always use it, do you? So the thing is, it, it can be. It can be that bridge. And when people ask me about it, I say, well, what, what are you looking to achieve? You know, what's the best primer? I'm like, well, what do you want to achieve from your primer? Because there are, like I said, oil controlling primers, illuminating primers, color correcting primers. But I think there's still a slight bit of misinformation, miscommunication. But I think there are consumers out there who still assume that primer is like a magic glue, that it doesn't really matter what skincare you use or what setting powder you use or what setting spray you use. If you use a primer, it's going to magically glue your makeup to your face all day. And I'm sure that that's just kind of the word in itself, primer. Like if you're thinking of DIY, that's exactly the use of a primer. So I I understand why people have that connotation with the word, but I feel like fairly regularly I'm shattering people's conceptions of what a primer is when I say, well, actually, you might be better off without a primer and just making sure that your skincare really suits your skin And then that you set your foundation appropriately. And I still believe to this day, the best way is a light bit of powder followed by a setting spray. And that the combination of the right skincare, the right foundation formula, setting it well, those are the things that will keep your makeup in place, not a magic primer. That is such golden advice and essential information, particularly because I think a lot of the time people consider skincare and makeup as such different entities which they are in a sense but they do have to work together for example it took me years to realize that the reason I was constantly getting panda eyes wasn't because of my mascara it was because of my eye cream I I feel like I'm constantly telling people like just go easy on your eye cream why does my eyeshadow crease okay are you putting eye cream on your orbiter bone or eyelids in the morning oh yeah absolutely I do it religiously okay well you're adding emollients to your eyelids which unfortunately although it feels great it will make powder eyeshadow crease. So maybe skip that step in the morning and focus your treatment eye cream on the orbiter bone around the top of the eye in the evening. And yeah, like, of course, there's that gorgeous moment when you do your eye cream. But if you're doing it prior to makeup application, like less is significantly more. And you're right, if you go, if you go hard on your eye cream, it'll seep through your concealer and yeah, it will smudge your mascara, unfortunately. You are a fountain of beauty information. No wonder this book of yours is so <laughs> thick. It's amazing. And now we're starting to delve into the kind of areas of beauty that I haven't spoken to you about that much since I've known you. So this is going to be so interesting. So talk huh. to me about fragrance and your top 
fragrance tips? Well, I just think fragrance is really key. Now, I grew up with a mother who wore makeup and fragrance every single day. And if we were ever going anywhere in the car, what signaled we were nearly there was mum going into a handbag and getting out the perfume and doing like a a re-spritz. And she didn't have to say anything, but me and my sister would be like, come on, wake up, sit up, like we're nearly there. So I just think in terms of for someone who's sensory, like myself, like I've got a really heightened sense of smell. Obviously I use my eyes for work all the time. I'm like weirdly observant and I'll notice things that other people don't like people's jewelry. Like someone could walk down the road and I'd be like, Simon, oh my God, did you see that ring? It must be at least six carats. He's like, what ring where, what person? Like psycho. No, I didn't. Um, but I do think, yes, when you think of beauty and getting yourself ready for the day, actually finishing up with fragrance is that final layer to your look, to your mood. So, you know, I love that with a fragrance, I can go from like bright and preppy, if that's kind of an energy boost that I need, to like sexy and musky, you know, for date nights. Like who doesn't smother themselves in bronze goddess on the holiday, you know, for that kind of vanilla coconutty, tuberose. Is it tuberose? Have I just made that up? Anyway, that kind of summer holiday cocktails, pina colada vibe. And it's it's fascinating that for some people who maybe haven't grown up observing, you know, religious uh, fragrance application, that they just don't know that it's another form of getting yourself dressed and ready. Some people don't care one iota and that's totally fine, each to their own. But I just think it's a gorgeous way of completing an outfit. And I'll be honest, there'll be some mornings on the school run, like I didn't wear makeup on the school run this morning, but I spritzed perfume, you know, because I wanted to smell good in the playground. (laughs) And we'll be right back after this little aside on our series partner, Avon. With 137 years in the business, Avon has built its prestigious legacy on beauty innovation. Avon are passionate about creating products that embrace the latest trends and cutting edge technology. And then of course, there's their latest product, Avon's Power Eye Cream. Team it up with their Power Serum and you've got the ultimate power couple, which help to restore years of collagen loss, boost your skin's collagen production, and deliver up to seven powerful skin benefits in just seven days. So for smoother and firmer looking and more resilient peeling skin, shop with your Avon rep online at avon.uk.com or on Amazon. So do you have your own... I want to call it your fragrance wardrobe. What are some of your favorites? You've mentioned Bronze Goddess. Yeah, I'm such a a stickler for kind of sweet. I mean, I'm still clearly stuck in my 16-year-old body. So like Jean-Paul Gaultier Classic will have a very special place in my heart forever, whether that's the classic, whether it's the bell, whether it's the... What's the other one I got recently? Is it called Seduction? It's not really in the classic family. It's just Jean-Paul Gaultier. But his kind of sweetness is like a weak spot for mine but then also I've got in that same vein you know opium or hypnose you know I love those kind of sweet fragrances okay my more grown-up stuff I you've got like Chanel number five who who doesn't feel like a grown-up when you spritz your Chanel number five but that's a very specific kind of event like for me that's like the opera or you know a fancy anniversary dinner or something that's not my everyday my way by Armani or Idol by Longcom if you're thinking those houses 
I recently discovered through a Harvey Nichols, they did like a fragrance, wasn't a calendar, but like a fragrance testing kit. And I discovered um, Juliet Has a Gun. It's a clear glass bottle. The fragrance itself is red, like obsessed, Baccarat Rouge. Don't we all oh, love it? Classic. I, I know. I discovered it working with a hairdresser. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't concentrate. You just smell so good. Please tell me what that is. And the next day, we never traveled in the same car. But the next day in my car, I was like, I can smell that fragrance. Like, how on earth did that happen? Sadly, now I can't smell it at all, which is, I hate the one that happens with fragrance. But um, yeah, I mean, I've then got, you know, Moogler, the very, you know, iterations. I think I might even have an angel in the back of the drawer somewhere. But certainly Alien... Yeah, I have far too much fragrance that anyone would ever need, but I just love it. So tell me, which one was the one you spritzed on this morning that got you got your mood boosted for the school run? Yeah, it was my Baccarat Rouge. So good. Yeah, I know. And I love, like, I know that my coat smells of it. So sometimes I feel a bit like, oh, I can't really, can't really spritz by cat. I can't really spritz another one. Oh, I just got a new one that I'm obsessed with by Killian. I love how you said that. It's, that was very seductive. <laughs> But like, I, I got the box and I was like, this is fun. Oh, and the Tom Ford cherry situation. I now have three iterations of the cherry fragrance. I saw it at Vista Village and I didn't buy it. And then I went to a department store and bought it because I was like, I just need this in my life. It's too gorgeous. That's beautiful. And I love those bottles as well. I know. I know. So cool. Oh, yes. <laughs> I should say that the first Tom Ford fragrance I ever bought, and I remember feeling like, I mustn't tell my husband how much I spent on a perfume, um, was Soleil Blanc. Oh, a classic. And I'm just, uh, totally. And I think I really found my love for it because Tom Ford did a, before he had his own brand, he did a collaboration with Estee Lauder and it was called Azure and it was all kind of light blue. And it was kind of like a Soleil Blanc kind of bronze goddess vibe fragrance. And I bought the fragrance and the body oil was that almost a precursor to his Portofino splash then? It must have been. It must have been. But it was wow. before It was before Tom Ford Beauty. A bit like when Victoria Beckham did her collaboration with Estee Lauder and then Victoria Beckham Beauty. But yeah, I've always been trying to chase that smell ever since. I love it. And now on to treatments. Very excited to get into this subject matter with you. Tell me what treatments you love or your top treatment advice. If somebody's... If somebody is deciding to kind of have a bit of a self-indulgent moment and go for it, what should they be booking in for? Well, so I have had two, like, I'd say life-changing facials and I'm not a massive facial person. I would love to be. It's just, I'm horrible at scheduling and I just don't make the time for it. Both have been actually, how lucky am I? I just heard myself in my head. Both have been at Harrods. One was with Chanel and it was a lymphatic drainage focus and one with, with, was with Clay de Peau. And I, the two things that really struck me was after my Clay de Peau facial, not only was it the most heavenly relaxing experience, I think my skin glowed for like a week and I couldn't figure it out. I was like, I don't know why my skin looks so good just from 90 minutes of skin application and massaging. And it might be something to do with that. I think they do three different face masks or whatever. So that I, I, I think that was the first time I was like, I really see this benefit. Like it wasn't just on the day, my skin just looks brighter and fresher and it's, it's lasted a, a decent week. 
And I don't know what they did or how or, or the why. I couldn't, I can't explain that. With the Chanel facial, I can explain because my face changed shape. I literally couldn't believe it. And I'm aware that I do carry, I do get puffy. I got lots of like triggers, salt especially. And I'll, the end of this story is so silly and I kind of beat myself up for it. But I couldn't believe looking in the mirror at the end how my eyes seemed brighter. My cheeks were more defined. Like everything, it, it, I suppose it looked slimmer, but the implication of your face looking slimmer is you can see your features so much better. Like my nose even looks slimmer and I suffer with my sinuses. So this area is often quite puffy, like the bridge, either side of the bridge of my nose. And again, I was like, I know that this can happen, but I've not, I've not had that many experiences of it, but I just seen how my face has changed shape. So I was like, wow, I understand now why clients of mine will often have a facial before, you know, I do their makeup or whatever, because it's not just about hydrating the skin. It can be about really contouring and yeah, getting rid of any excess fluid that may have built up. Do you know what I did that night, Annie, that was so stupid? I had a Wagamama's and I doused my food in soy sauce and woke up the next morning, a puffball again. And I was like, Hannah Martin, like I skipped out of that appointment because I was like, heck, look at my cheekbones. I just, it was such a fun moment. And then I ruined it you know, and the stupid thing is I know that salt and soy particularly for me makes me puff up. So I know that if ever I've got a big work thing or a masterclass or a telly or whatever, I just, I limit all my salt. And actually I tell my brides to do the same thing. So I really cut back on the salt so I don't puff up. And I ruined my exquisite facial by having delicious food. <laughs> I feel your pain because I am equally as prone to water retention and salt is just a weakness like those molden flakes if you spot a square of molden I kind of I home in on it like it's a boiled sweet or something it's horrendous um but you're right the effect of a good lymphatic drainage massage is just unrivaled I had a face gym one the other day and honestly it was like a different face 45 minutes later there it was it was insane it's just wonderful isn't it so eye-opening as well. So I'm like, yes, get me, get me my rose quartz. Let me do some gua sha. Come on. <laughs> but have you, do you do that? Do you do the gua sha at home or a face massage or anything? Do, do you know what's ridiculous is no, if I'm really honest, no, not really. But I'll always, I'll always do a wee bit on my clients, you know, time allowing, time allowing. Get on the gua sha's. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then our final piece of subject matter, hair. And I do have to say, you have one of the best long bobs in the business. Those funny <laughs> highlights I'm obsessed with. Um, talk me through your best piece of hair advice. Gosh, best piece of hair advice is, oh, this is going to sound awful, but don't let someone else convince you into a hairstyle that you're not totally sure about because hair is our crowning glory, right? And a, a, a bad cut or a cut that you don't feel comfortable in can wreak havoc on your self-confidence. Like I can hear my mother going, oh, darling, it's only hair. And trust me, I've had some shockers. I decided at 13, I needed a pixie cut because I saw a picture of a, like a skater girl in Miz or something. And she had this tiny red head pixie cut with her 
boob tube and her denim skirt and her bands. And I was like, yes, I want to look like her. And the hairdresser gave me some kind of like 1980s office Sharon with a short thing and a fringe. And it was awful, awful. But um, I find often I'm that sucker who says to the hairdresser, what do you think would work best on me? And then go through the hair appointment, come out, like know that I'm, I'm watching it and I'm hating it. And I say, thank you. And I give them a tip and off I go. And then I sob all the way home. So if you can, like, think about the styles you like the look of, screenshot loads of pictures, make a Pinterest board, because so many things can get lost in translation. And if you're able to show a stylist, like when I say lob, I mean this length and show them a picture, because the amount of times I've pointed to the top of my shoulders and it's ended up kind of at my jawline. Like if you can show visually what you love, it's true of makeup as well. It's really helpful for a hairdresser, hairstylist to to understand where uh, words can be interpreted in totally different ways. I totally agree. And I think that consultation moment at the beginning of an appointment is so underrated as well. Um, And I do think the mark of a good hairdresser is when you know, somebody comes in with a picture and they take the time to say, well, it's a gorgeous kind of side fringe or curtain bangs, but you do realize it's going to take this amount of weight off your shoulders. Are you happy with that? And to really dissect because nobody knows how you wear your hair better than you. Um, even if you have a hairdresser that you've been seeing for years. So I think like you said, and especially I think it's such a trap for people pleasers as well because all you want to do is say let your creativity reign you do you whatever you think you're the pro and then afterwards go oh my god yeah I love it and like you said head home and sob and it's just not worth it I know and I I wonder if it's part cultural as well like if ever I I'm chatting with a hairstylist and they're telling me what should work I've been sat in the chair and I've been like in my head screaming like no 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 and I found myself nodding going oh my gosh yeah sounds amazing oh my gosh wow yeah you know and then I remember one time in particular I went into the office the next day and one of my colleagues not kind of typically was like oh my god did you pay for that (laughs) thanks thanks babe and yes I did (laughs) yeah it's British politeness to a fault isn't it? It was in the consultation, as you said, where I just, I knew inside, I was like, no, I don't want my hair that short. And I don't, no, I don't think I need this sidey fringe. And um, yeah, now I feel compelled to send you a picture of said awful haircut. But yes, it was not me. She knows. I'm basically, I just want to be Jennifer Aniston's sister. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it needs to be honey. It needs to be lob. It needs to have a bit of texture. You know, I'm showing my age. No, you have always been giving me Jennifer Aniston, I do have to say. Oh, I love that you said that. No, and I'm not just people pleasing either. I mean it. (laughs) Thanks, God. Is that how you describe your signature hair look, Jen Ann? I think so. So I think I, I had a season at school where I accidentally had the Rachel in that my hair just, no matter what I did, it kind of sat kind of to my shoulder and then the bottom layer flicked out so I just kind of had like the kind of classic Rachel for years and then oh poor you my heart bleeds (laughs) (laughs) um but like with no blow drying or anything it just kind of did it um and then kind of I've I've copied her bob I've gone lighter when she not not when she's gone lighter but I've been inspired by her lighter looks 
Um, but I love where she's at now. It's a bit longer now. Hers is a bit longer now than mine is. Um, but her whole vibe, actually, I still kind of love. I love her fashion sense. I love her makeup. I just, she's a bit of a girl crush, really, especially her hair. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> and final question. We always end this podcast on a lighthearted note. What, tell me, what is your biggest beauty, beauty blunder to date aside from that pixie cut? Okay. I've had so many. I genuinely have, but I thought I would share the one that probably, like, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up. And it was, it was a long time ago, thank goodness, but I've learned a valuable lesson. But it was in the era-ish of the pixie cut. Actually, it wasn't. It was the era of the bleach blonde hair, which I did myself at 14, which went orange. And my mum convinced me that it, we couldn't possibly dye it back. It just wouldn't work because I bleached it. So I had this kind of carrot orange hair with really dark roots. I had a crushed velvet red slip dress. It was the early 90s. And we were going to a big party and I'd bought a uh, Boots Natural Collection uh, Dead Sea Mud Mask. I'm haunted by the pot. And I was like, I'll go around to my friend Rosie's and we're just going to spend all afternoon getting ready. I'm going to see like this boy Louis Hall who I really fancy and I kind of like to kiss. And it was all like this big thing. And I was like, you know, I've got to make sure my face is great because the orange hair is a bit of a nightmare. I put this face mask on. Immediately, my skin started to burn. But I'd never done a face mask before. So I was like, this bad boy's working. It's been worth my $3.99. I'm going to glow like I've never glowed before. Um, but then after about 15 minutes, I was like, I can't stand the burning any longer. So took it off. And my skin was the same color as my crushed velvet red dress. I was a beetroot red. It was tight. It was shiny. I tried to put some makeup on and the makeup just didn't sit. It was going patchy. It was hot. So I went to the ball looking a bit like a tomato. From that day on, I've been very, very, very careful about what kind of face masks I use, if any. So that the red tomato evening was probably my biggest beauty faux pas. <laughs> the red tomato <laughs> evening. And I have to ask what happened with the crush. Oh, it was awful. I was ignored. I, I would have ignored me, to be fair. So yes, that was the end of my dalliance with the beautiful Louis Hall. Sad times. Too good for Louis. You're too good for Louis. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Hannah, for joining me. It's been so much fun as I knew it would be and incredibly educational. I've definitely come away with shed loads of tips. So thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed it too. Oh, I loved it. I could talk makeup and beauty all day. <laughs> thank you Hannah and thank you guys for Thanks listening so thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beauty Life Lessons from Grazia with me Annie Vischer please keep listening for more episodes and listen back to previous episodes for some amazing guests sharing their top beauty tips and don't forget to leave us a rating and a review it really does make the difference to people finding us see you next time and thanks again to Avon for supporting this episode of Grazia Beauty Life Lessons. Don't forget to shop their Skincare Power Couple, Renewal Power Serum and Renewal Power Eye Cream. And good news, Avon are currently running an offer until the end of June. Purchase both products for just £28 by speaking with your Avon rep or shopping online at avon.uk.com.